Welcome to Free and Figuring It Out, a weekly podcast hosted by two Brits, Sherelle Griffith and Verity Brown, on a mission to support, empower and reassure fellow independent millennial women that they can be self-sufficient, successful and seen. Hello and welcome to another episode of Free and Figuring It Out. I hope you are well and excited for what's coming because I don't know what's coming you don't know what's coming bring it on yes I'm in that type of mood because my figuring it out I can't quite believe it's August I'm going to be real and I have to make some decisions about what I'm doing about this love life (laughs) because I think I stopped going on the apps when I came back home to Nottingham in what December 2020 that's when I came home and I think I just thought we're in lockdown nothing's happening I'm not there's just no point I'm just done with it and you know what I've thoroughly enjoyed not wasting hours every day being like blah 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 but I'm not gonna lie it hit August and I thought to myself it's August like that's actually been over half a year now where I have been doing nothing to really improve my situation of my single status and that's not a bad thing and I actually think I, I you know I was like I'm gonna put my head down I'm gonna work on my business like we're in a we're, no most of that's been in a lockdown etc so I'm not I don't feel guilty for it or anything like that but I am absolutely like actually do I need to put myself back out there otherwise am I just never gonna put myself back out there I've always prided myself of being someone who was quite an active data and that, you know, I definitely have a psychological thing, which is if I end up being old and single, I don't want someone to turn around and say, well, it's because you never made the time. You never made the effort. You're always about your career and your business and blah, blah, blah. So my thing is I used to compensate, I think over the top when I was in London to be like, no, I'm actively dating. I'm there. I'm doing it. Um, And yeah, I've enjoyed the break, but I'm thinking I need to get back into it. So I've been having some conversations. I'm actually looking at like a group coaching single program that I've been looking at, but I put myself in that. I know I'm really going for it. And then I've been trying to think, okay, what apps do I go back on or whatever? And I just don't know because they keep changing. And now I'm in a different city and I'm like, I don't even know, like some apps have like higher adoption in different places. And do you know what I mean? All that type of stuff. Yeah, Yeah. I need to have a little think, but yeah send me well wishes people seriously because I'm not I don't feel like I'm thrilled about it well I mean I just see it as fun I think that's how I used to see it I used to take all the pressure off and be like you know what there's no deadline here it's all on me what I'm sort of self-imposing so let's download them all and then I sort of figured out what what am I enjoying what am I not like which ones have the most people that probably align with me on um and then, yeah, you sort of just and just have a bit of fun with it. Like, I think enjoy it. I normally have a very open, like, attitude to it all. And I'm very much like, it's not about meeting the one. As long as I've had a good conversation or I've learned something or whatever, it's all fine. Yeah. I think if I'm really honest, what probably scares me the most now is I haven't spoken to strangers in such a long time. And it's something I was saying to someone the other day was like, we've only really spoken in the last 18 months to people we've known. That's what yeah. I haven't been. I've not had a single meeting with anyone I don't know. I've like, you know, other than signing new clients, I've not had to really do anything about building new relationships, having general chit chat. And also, I don't feel like I've got a life. So I just feel like 
that makes it even harder. For me. Like I feel like I'm not that interested right now. But yeah, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna get on the apps. I'm gonna go on dates. It's gonna be great. I love it. I can't wait to hear about all of the fun adventures that you go on. <laughs> Don't look so scared, Sean. Um, well, best of luck. I will be here to support you in whatever way <laughs> you need me to. Um, so I've been figuring out what my ideal salary is. So for those regular listeners, we do talk about money a lot on this podcast. And it's just because I think as millennial women, it's a major part of our lives um, and a major sort of challenging part of our lives for most of us, whether that's um, if we're not getting paid enough, if we don't really understand it, if we're in debt, if we have houses that, you know, we want to rent out and we need to sort that, you know, whatever. It's just a big part of our lives generally. And I think coming from, well, a few things, coming from a, a working class background and then going to a private school and being surrounded by money and then sort of being in this era of internet business has sort of always made me just be like, I want to be a millionaire. I need to be a millionaire. Like just kind oh, of I love that how you sort of... skip six figures and went straight to millionaire. <laughs> well, I've never done a six. I've never wanted six figures. To me, that's just never, it's weird you said that because it's never been part of my dialogue. Like I just want to be a millionaire. And I was talking to my girlfriend about this and I sort of said, I don't want that anymore. And she was a bit like, oh, great. Why am I with you? Like jokingly. And I was like... <laughs> But I, I was like, a few things have changed. And I'm saying, I'm sharing this because, um, you know, I wonder if other people feel the same. But I think, I think one of the things, when you come from, I'm not going to say poverty, but very, very sort of humble starts, and you see how much pain lack of money causes. And then, you know, for those of you who listen to the show, I have consumer debt and stuff. So I think, you sometimes just want to be a millionaire because you know it will it will allow you never to be in those positions again it's sort of a default safe zone um and also a lack of financial knowledge so when we did our money series um a few months ago I sort of had no idea how I could turn 10 grand into 100 grand just by being clever with my money um and not you know yes there's an element of risk but very very low risk you know say things with pensions and index funds and things like that and so all of a sudden it just sort of seems a bit more feasible that I could earn less or have less but make that into more by being smart with money and I think the other thing that I've noticed is that by wanting to be a millionaire or whatever it stopped me from actually following what I actually want <laughs> mm. so like you instead of thinking oh you know I'd, I'd love to um work in you know academia or whatever where the salary cap is like 100 grand a year or whatever you know like or maybe even less I don't know but and then you're like but that's not enough so I can't do that so I need to um teach stuff online because then I can easily be willing or whatever it really sort of alters your approach to like your path and like what you want to become so yeah it's been this whole this has been years worth of internal work I suppose um and also then it kind of all of that has then now come to okay what 
what does my sort of desired life look like? Like, what does my realistic but lovely life look like? And how much would that cost? Mm -hmm. And I sort of did a rough sketch of, you know, and it's not that much, really. And I'm talking like, you know, um, just nice, just comfortable, (laughs) just, you know. Um, And so, so yes, I'm in this process now of like, well, what's my ideal salary? you know, and, and, and where would that go? Like how much would go on rent or mortgage? How much would go into extra in pensions or investments or savings? Um, how much would go on holidays and gifts and, and things like that. And so that's what I am sort of figuring out at the minute, like, what is my ideal salary? Like what, what would allow me to feel abundant without being a crazy figure that Mm -hmm. I've sort of been reaching for all these years? So, yeah. Well, I'm loving that investigation. It's so up my street. And <laughs> what it makes me so for anyone who's listening, just because if it, if what Verity says is ringing, then I would absolutely recommend the book, Your Money or Your Life, because that everything you just spoke about is what reading Your Money or Your Life really helped me to consider. Because there's a, mm-hmm. there's like two chapters in it. But basically, it helps you to really understand how much your current job is costing you. And then it asks you some real questions to try and work out, you know, how much do you need to live up? Do you need a year to live off? Now, the purpose in that book is once you actually understand how much you need per year, it then helps you to be able to work out how much money you might need to invest or say to be able to be able to retire early, because that's the aim of that book really is to help people to be financially independent. But those two earlier sections to me I always recommend the book because they even if you don't want to be financially independent that clarity around actually how much do I need and like you're saying sketch it out actually sit down and be like you know is this house how much would that be how much is the holidays I want to go on if I did have a car this that other. and actually because so many people are running around with a wild figure in their head that has no real um, it hasn't been planned out it's not been looked at and you've not really thought about how you could spend that money at all or how it, your actually life would look so I'm really happy that you sketched it all out and had to think about it and 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 like you said the thing about capping it, choosing your career based on a money goal if you've not really thought through that money goal it's crazy and you know I'm really honest I had a career that started off in the subsidized art sector and there was a point where I thought this is not going to provide the lifestyle I need to stay in London because I was having to, I was mm. having jobs in central London for arts organisations that I just knew were never, even as if I got to director marketing, that money was never going to be enough for me to get a house. And I was like, I don't want to not have a house, but that job is forcing me to stay in London and they're not going to pay me what I need. And that was why I moved over to, one of the reasons why I moved to the commercial sector was I definitely thought this would open up being able to make more money. Um, And like you said, are you missing out on your ideal job because you feel you need to make money, which might be totally valid. And you might, you know, you might do the numbers and be like, this is, but actually maybe it's not. And then you're missing out on doing something that's going to really fulfill you just because you feel the money would be better. So mate, do the numbers. You know, I love the numbers, do the numbers. And it's, it's quite cathartic as well. Because it makes it really, you're like, oh, okay, that's not that bad, actually. You know, you, you like, 
it just seems like within reach whereas like when you say I want to be a millionaire it just feel like a million miles away you know and uh no you're definitely right I mean I think um my I'm going to be stepping more and more away from online and I'm probably going to end up in some sort of I don't know academic or something definitely not online focus role and that fills me with so much joy I can't tell you because for my mental health online is like a bad place for me to be and I think it's incredible for other people but for me it's it's not and I think I need to be in some sort of like dark wood office with lots of books around me I feel like that's my vibe going forward I'll definitely come and visit that office because you you would (laughs) (laughs) I need a, a library like Belle and then me and Sherelle could like just spend days in there just like drinking tea and chilling (laughs) Elle's library is definitely part of my dream but in my dream it's part of my house which means yeah my house needs to be big but onwards let's keep going so (laughs) I this week have been watching Love is Blind After the Altar so last year I was living with my bestie this time last year and she we watched Love is Blind together and if you've never heard about it it was a series where people spoke in pods they were single. They didn't know each other. They'd never seen each other. They're speaking pods and then propose. So they basically proposed to someone even though they'd never seen them. So they did see them before mm. they got married. They basically would meet each other. And then I think they had a little bit of time of living together before the wedding day, if I remember correctly. Yeah. But they proposed having never seen each other. So me and my bestie, we watched that together last year. So then I just got this message like, oh my God, have you seen the, the next section? And I was like, no. So I thought, let me go find it. So it's Love is Blind after the altar. So it's two years later. So two couples on the original series had got married. So we were basically at like their second anniversary party. So we get to hear about, you know, they're both still together. They're both still, no one got divorced. Wow. There was a couple who... He said no at the altar, but they actually did stay together and they're still sort of together. So there's all these dramas around that. And then there's all the single people. Someone's actually like, someone's in quite a nice relationship. Someone, someone's engaged. Someone is with someone and that person's pregnant. And then there's a few single, totally single, still trying to, out there trying to make it work. So it was just, it was a nice, like, it was funny because you know when you sort of forget like it's not the type of show I normally would watch but it's because I was with my best friend last year and it was just like it was locked down locked down you just like I'm just gonna watch anything and I think that's part of my thinking about whether to get back on the app and stuff because it was interesting just like hearing people dating and like you know you've got to put yourself back out there and how it's working for some people but yeah I mean it's proper reality trash but just in case anyone watched Love is Blind and they hadn't realized it's come back three little episodes uh nice to see what's going to catch up with how it's all gone yeah, no, I didn't. Really, I watched it as well in lockdown, and I didn't realize it had come back. So it's quite interesting. I do love the concept. It was very interesting, quite obvious concept, but also no, no one had really. Well, I suppose it's a little bit like Blind Date, but on steroids, mm. isn't it? You know? <laughs> so, um, but yeah, oh no, I'll definitely have to stick that on in the background. Um, so I read an article this week. So I've seen this on the LinkedIn grapevine for many months now and I've never really read about it um but this popped up and I thought oh I'm actually going to give it some of my attention so 
The article is in the Metro. It's entitled, CEO takes 90% pay cut to raise staff's minimum salary to 50,000 and the company is now thriving. Um, it's basically, um, it's interesting, me and Shirelle, and um, like, oh God, I can't even think of the word, ent- ent- entwined, entwined, what's entwined. the word? Like, entwined. A lot of things in the past few episodes, it's quite funny. But um, a CEO from Idaho has shared a drastic move that's helped him become a better boss. Dan Price, who runs credit card processing company Gravity Payments, took a huge pay cut to ensure that his employees had a livable wage. So it all came about when he um, saw a McDonald's employee handbook on the desk of one of his employees named Rosita. And basically, she was finishing her day job with him and then going to work um, for McDonald's in the evening because um, she was earning about £21,500 at the time at at his company and it wasn't enough for her to live. So she was um, working till five every day at the office and then going from half five till 11 every weeknight um, for McDonald's for one and a half years. Um, And he sort of chatted to her and she sort of explained that she needs about like seven grand more a year to like live comfortably in in the city without having to um do a second job so he agreed if she did some extra duties that um he would um give her seven grand more a year and then it just sort of got him thinking about um you know everything and he said that she she quit the job at McDonald's she moved out of her crappy apartment and used the free time to see her friends more as her mental health improved so did her performance at work so from that he made the decision that he was going to double the minimum salary of the company to $70,000 which is about £51,000 um, and to do this, he docked his own pay by ninety thousand pounds um, by ninety percent, which he was paying himself one point one million dollars, and he docked it by seven hundred and eighty-seven thousand pounds. So he then paid himself seventy thousand dollars, and he just said um, a move he says has made him happier and a better boss. Now this was a line that I found really powerful. He said, money buys happiness when you climb out of poverty, but going from well-off to very well-off won't make you happier. Mm. Doing what you believe is right will. And I thought that was really powerful. It kind of ties in a little bit with my ideal salary and stuff like, you know, there's a part where you have nothing and you're struggling where money will make a massive, massive difference. But then there is a certain element where, earning 70 grand versus earning 100 grand it doesn't really change much you know and or even bigger and and I think it was a really interesting thing to say so and it just talks about how the company has just improved in terms of profit in terms of uh, staff welfare everything um everyone's happier everyone feels equal um yeah and I just thought it was a very interesting I article. love it it's I mean it's so up my street but what I love more is that that was so chance just the fact that she that Mm. person had left that handbook on a desk that was you know an opportunity for that CEO to see it and then actually find out oh like why are you working at McDonald's because I can imagine she would be like oh my god like probably had not left it there on purpose and probably was mortified when she realized the CEO had seen it you can imagine being like 
Like yeah. I don't even know if you're allowed to have a second job. Like there's all the, you know, so many people that have a second job hide it. Um, to then have a discussion that actually ended up changing so many people's lives. Yeah. And I think, you know, a testament to him, like it's a big pay cut. And, you know, I think a lot of CEOs could easily be like, no, thanks. Like I'll stick to my million dollar lifestyle. But um, yeah, I think hopefully people will follow in suit, you know, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, I think it's, I mean, it's definitely something that's on my mind at the moment with people returning to the office. And, you know, I definitely was someone who had, a few jobs in London where I would have said that money was not enough to live a nice enough life in mm. London. And I think sometimes people have jobs, particularly in capital cities, it's the same in Paris, in New York, in Sydney, you know, it's the same over and yeah. over again, that for work, you feel like you have to go to the biggest cities because that's the place to potentially get into the companies to get the good job in the long term. But the struggle that you go through in the midterm is hard. And I don't think... I think it's very easy Mm. for CEOs to forget that and to not to have totally lost touch as well with actually what it costs to live in those cities. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And that was a a good example of that. So yes, I'll pop the link to it so you can have a little read. Now I had no idea what Verity's figuring out was. And like, this is the most, opposite book I possibly could have mentioned after those conversations I feel a bit like oh gosh and I feel bad because I've waited a long time to read this so the book is We Should All Be Millionaires by Rachel Rogers and it came out in the UK in June but the I think it came out in America I want to say either April or May I think it might be May and she's been pushing hard like Rachel is um, she's founded of a company called Hello7. Um, she's a black, strong, proud woman and was absolutely like, I want to get this in the New York Times bestsellers. I want to be an Amazon bestseller, everything. And did one of the best book launches I've seen probably since I've become a book blogger. So that's like five, six years. Like she absolutely was like, I'm going to get these books sold. So I've been had a lot of anticipation. I've been waiting a very long time for it to finally arrive. And as part of her push she actually did a coaching live series and I actually think it's been to the detriment of me enjoying the book which I feel really really bad to say but I'm gonna explain why so the book is we should all be millionaires and basically she runs a company called hello seven seven figures millionaire and her main um she has a club so she has a membership group where people is called the club and people sign up every single month and they find out about how to build businesses now Rachel is absolutely passionate about helping um women and other and like particularly black women but also like very about marginalized communities people that have been cut out and her whole thing is that actually if we want to have any power to make change that needs to happen for people from marginalized groups we need to be making a million like that's basically what her thing is one I find this interesting because it's really difficult money is so different in different places so even like just the exchange so actually like a millionaire as an American like to make a million obviously like towards that's only like seven hundred thousand pounds or something like that and this thing always I always try and like try and keep quite open about it because 
that's one of the difficult things about money is we don't really understand like I just mentioned about London there's a massive difference being a millionaire in the middle of nowhere in the UK versus being a millionaire in London and I think my passion for becoming a millionaire only happened when I moved to London because all of a sudden mm. I, I saw what it would cost for me to basically just get the house and I always think actually if I took the house out of the equation actually how much money would I want that's a better indication of how much money I need but the house and London the house changed it and I feel like in America there are bigger decisions like we do, I don't understand the actual how much everything costs to work out if a million is a sensible thing but so the book is about how to be a millionaire um, very much she's a business coach she talks you through like you know how to be looking at your mindset and how to like actually build a successful business and the decisions we need to get and so there's like the stuff around like yeah million dollar behavior million dollar roadmap and really basically putting in these systems to help you to get there now I enjoyed the book but my problem was I'd heard loads of it before and I think it's because I'd done the coaching program and I followed her for a long while so I think actually the book is going to be more powerful for someone who hasn't been exposed to it. So if you haven't been following Rachel, actually you're probably going to get more out of the book than someone who's been following her for ages, been in her club, done the live coaching service that went with it. But I do think if you're someone who, like what I would say is Rachel's passion is like so strong. Like there is absolutely everything is about like, we need to change like, the systemic oppression of marginalized people like it is holding us back and actually you understanding that getting money and being able to build wealth and like she's very much about like legacy and like you know and being able to build it to help future generations and all this type of stuff so if you are someone that is like from any way feels like you're from a marginalized community and feels as if you've never been around money, you don't even know how to start thinking about money and, you know, or you feel guilt around money and all that type of stuff. I do think it is a good book to feel like, actually, no, this is, it should be something we're aiming for. As Verity said, maybe it's all going for the million isn't the right thing, but also sometimes you have to shoot really high to even get halfway. And I do believe that for sometimes actually to start putting yourself out. And I think, you know, I it's so clear like the passion that Rachel comes from that and I do really believe it is part of the equality um we do need to find financial equality in order to make other types of equality work and I do believe that whilst all the money sits with white men those changes aren't going to get made Mm. so you know I do think it's so I will put the link in I definitely I definitely do think it's a good book I definitely just feel as if the hype was too much and that happens sometimes sometimes our anticipation for a book is so much and I think unfortunately having a delayed release in the UK didn't help because like just meant everyone else had read it and spoke about all these great things and I had to wait six more weeks for us to get it and unfortunately mm. it's not played well oh well well yeah <laughs> but if you're new to to Rachel then there may be yeah. um, and the I, book and have a look and I definitely, regardless, would say follow her. Like, I actually, like, I feel like she does truly actually inspire me and, like, bring me alive. And, like, if you are someone who has, if you want to make more money and you want to feel that that is an okay thing to do, following Rachel Rogers will absolutely make you feel like that is the thing to do. There is no doubt about it. She's absolutely like, go make your money. Go make that money. <laughs> We'll pop a link to her Instagram on the show notes. Um, so 
I have been watching The L Word. So um, I'm a queer woman and um, I didn't really embrace my queerness when The L Word came out in 2004. So um, I'm kind of about a decade late, but me and my girlfriend decided to watch it. So we've been um, getting through the series. We don't live together. So when we see each other, we try and binge it if there's an appropriate time, but sometimes there's not because it's full with loads of sex so we have to be very careful about when we watch <laughs> um but I'm literally up to the last episode of the original um, series so it, it ran from 2004 to 2009 uh so we're on series six episode eight and we're going to kind of I think have a bit of a like get a nice bottle of non-alcoholic stuff and have some nibbles and, and really watch it um but yeah it's just I mean it's just again to talk about I mean there's so much more representation in film and tv now um for queer women um than there was even five years ago I think but I think what I like about this is it's just about friends and I feel like sometimes the rep- representation is all dramatized or it's all a bit ott like there's so many queer women films i watch and i just can't connect with them because it's all very a bit out there or you know whereas this is like friends who go to a cafe and who have relationship you know it sounds silly but i quite like the simplicity of it um so and then in 2019 10 years after they finished the first um sort of you know original series they um recorded Generation Q which features three of the original cast members um, and a new um, more diverse and inclusive cast which is brilliant Um, I mean I think the L word was way diverse than any other program when it probably came out you know but you look at it now and it has dated a bit like Sex and the City like Mm -hmm. and Friends like if they were made now they'd be made very very differently and Sex and the City is having a reboot um, and just like that um, and you know you can see there's a lot more diversity within both the LGBTQ plus community and within um, the characters of, of race as well so so yeah so it's um I'm gonna look forward to watching that and then we'll be jumping straight on uh Generation Q well enjoy your final episode I love it when people have a series and you get all the way to the end you're like oh no but it's the last one so I don't know you don't want (laughs) to but yeah we'll have to at least there's like an add-on that we can watch so so yeah Yeah. all good well enjoy so So, (laughs) what is our live prompt Sherelle now is everyone ready for this one so the question is do I want to be a millionaire why or why not so I feel as if we've had without it being planned a very divided episode <laughs> so Verity's made it very clear now she does not want to be a millionaire I'm still on the millionaire train I'm still with Rachel Rogers I'm still going to be listening I'm still going there but either way I think it's an important decision for you to make for yourself having properly assessed why rather than following societies like be a millionaire like blindly like whichever decision you make I think it's absolutely valid but what I want to encourage people to do is actually choose what side they want to be do I want to be a millionaire yes or no and then explain why or why not because I think as long as you know your reasons why or why not it's absolutely fine so just a side note it's not that I don't want to be a millionaire it's just it's not what I'm aiming for 
And also I believe I'll be a millionaire through now being clever with my money. So as in like, and I'll link to the episode we did about investing. So invest in uh, compound interest. And I believe like by the time I'm at retirement age, I'll have millions in the bank, but it won't be how I think I thought I would attain it. So yeah, I've just added a bit of complexity to that. But yeah, I just want, because when you said it, I was like, something in me was like, I'm not saying I don't. It's just like, (laughs) that's not my aim which I think shadowed a lot of my stuff for quite a while but also I suppose I suppose okay there's also a difference between being like I will be a millionaire when I retire a lot of people become retire millionaires for example versus Mm. is this going to be in a period of your life where you're going to spend it I suppose maybe that's the thing for you that makes sense so whatever you are as you said have a little think you know you might decide to do a very similar thing to Verity and work out like you know how much do I want to be earn a year um maybe you're thinking at your long term all that type of stuff but actually sit down and be like you know where do I sit on this number scale get get to grip for your numbers and have a little gander do I want to be a millionaire why or why not and yeah and own it once you made that decision as well like I think own it it doesn't I haven't there's no shame I'm like I love hearing people want to make loads of money but I also am like just justified when people like actually know I want to live that frugal life and be freer right now and that's what you want to go for like but I just think own your decision and go for it so Mm. thank you so so much for tuning in it has been so lovely to talk to you we will be back next Fridays so make sure you come and tune in but if in the meantime firstly if anyone has any dating tips please help me out and anything else come on get in contact with us so you can dm us at free and figuring it out or you can drop us an email at free and figuring it out at gmail.com bye for now Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Free and Figuring It Out. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so you don't miss the next installment. And if you want to be a superstar, please leave us a review. Or you can get in touch with us. Drop us an email at freeandfiguringitout at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time.